Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. But they have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And... Hello everybody, welcome to House of Champions. It's that time of the week where we're joined by the transfer guru himself, Fabrizio Romano, and I'm delighted to say that Nigel Riokoka and Mike Lahoud have made the show as well. Plenty for us to get into. We're going to be talking a bit of Tottenham's managerial search, Manchester United's news, and also unpacking all of the best storylines from the weekend, including Antonio Conte's extraordinary presser, uh, El Clasico, and everything else that's kind of followed on ever since that has gone on. So don't remember to like, comment, subscribe, download, follow, leave us a five-star review. And obviously, of course, preferable even, uh, you know, pass this on via word of mouth as well. Share with a friend, tell somebody all of that old school jazz. Well, first of all, let's get into it with Fabrizio Romano. Fab, how are you doing, my friend? So, guys, all great, all good. And uh, important moments because with these manager situations, we have many changes. And so this is really important to understand also the future and the transfer window, how it will change with these new coaches in church. Exactly. And as uh, you could hear in my intro, I was a little bit behind the times, but obviously we've got plenty to sink our teeth into, notably the managerial situation with Bayern Munich, where Thomas Tuchel has replaced Julian Nagelsmann and whether or not Julian Nagelsmann might actually be pitching up in London. Nigel Rio Coca, speaking of London, how are you doing, my friend? <laughs> I'm good, mate. I'm not in London anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, of course not. But as somebody who uh, has spent many, many years in London, I figured you it was a natural segue. Thanks, thanks a lot for nuking my <laughs> script that I was making up as we were going along. Mike Lahoud, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing much better than Nigel, but not as good as Fab. Just case in point, <laughs> Nigel, you are fully American when you stop claiming where you're from. You're an American now. Just going to say that. Listen, All right, guys. Well, okay. something that is indisputable, and let's get into it with Fab, and it's on the Italian managerial situation. Tottenham and Antonio Conte, so they've parted ways by mutual consent. Took a bit longer than many of us expected coming into this international break, but it has finally happened. Now, Cristiano Stellini is taking over as interim. Fab, can you fill us in who the candidates might be to take over? 
Many candidates, honestly, and I think it's going to be important to understand also the position of Fabio Paratici, the director of football at Tottenham. Let's see if he will stay or if he will leave at the end of the season. This is going to be important because he was 100% involved in all the decisions, including Antonio Conte as coach a few, few months ago, one year and a half ago. And so this is why it's going to be important to understand who's going to decide the new coach, if it's just Daniel Levy, if Fabio Paratici will be involved. So this is a crucial point. There are many candidates, really. There is not just one. Uh, we heard many names, including... Uh, Mauricio Pochettino and of course Luis Enrique, Julian Nagelsmann, but at the moment nothing is advanced yet. Tottenham will take their time and this is why they decided to announce Christian Stellini as interim manager until the end of the season and then they will take their time to pick the best option. So there are really many candidates. I heard this five-man list, so not just one of two. Everything is absolutely open. We're hearing many stories, but mm, for example, just to give you a bit of context, we heard many stories on Pochettino, but at the moment I'm not aware of any contact between Tottenham and Mauricio Pochettino. So this shows how the process can be a bit slower than expected but for sure Tottenham are looking for a coach for the next season and the process is not going to be super fast so let's wait and see but it's nothing very clear yet Fab just to link everything that you've just said there and you said obviously it's going to be a chain of events because of what's happened at Tottenham what's the how true is the links of obviously Nagelsmann now to Real Madrid and also Pochettino as well and how quickly do you think Real Madrid will act? Will they act in the same way as Bayern Munich to try and get a new manager in? No, obviously it's not all at all. No? no way. Carlo Ancelotti will be Real Madrid manager until the end of the season, for sure. Uh, unless something crazy happens. But the idea is to stay with Carlo Ancelotti, to protect Carlo mm. Ancelotti. Also because in Real Madrid, they feel they can win the Champions League again. So they feel they can make it. And Carlo Ancelotti himself has the same feeling. So they are 100% focused on this final part of the season. And I don't see Real Madrid... Uh, firing Carlo Ancelotti before the end of the season. Then, at the end of this of this season, so in June, we will have the picture clear because Real Madrid have to decide on Carlo Ancelotti. Carlo Ancelotti has to decide because it's true that he has this possibility with the Brazilian national team. This is something concrete. This is something real. So Ancelotti has to make a decision. But now for Real Madrid, it's just a time to have some potential options in case Ancelotti leaves. Thomas Tuchel was one of them, but Bayern were very fast in the negotiations with him. And... Pochettino is one of them because Pochettino is a manager appreciated internally at Real Madrid. I would include also Raul because Raul is a manager who is already doing very well with the second team, the Yacht team at Real Madrid, the Castilla team. And so he's really appreciated internally. For Nagelsmann, I think the name is around now because he's always been a coach appreciated by those in the board at Real Madrid. But as of now, there are still no direct contacts. So Real Madrid have not called yet to ask Julian Nagelsmann if he wants to be the coach. So at the moment, everything is early stages because they still want to protect Carlo Ancelotti at least until the end of the season. Let's go on the field. Tottenham Hotspur's injury crisis upon injury crisis this season. Their latest victim, Emerson Royale, picking up an injury against Morocco in a friendly that they lost with Brazil during the break. Can you give us an update on what his injury status is and how long Spurs fans can expect him out? I think it's almost until the end of the season. It's going to be close to six weeks. This is what Tottenham are are stating also in a private conversation. So the idea is to have the player out for the next six weeks. Of course, it's a big blow for Tottenham because imagine at one point in January, they had... Pedro Porro, they had Emerson Royal, they had Spence, who is now alone uh, at Rennes. They also had Matt Doherty, so it was four options mm. in the same position, and now it's just one with Pedro Porro. So this is why it's a big uh, a big blow and a big problem for Stellini. But at the same time, I think for uh, for Emerson Royal was a really unlucky one because it wasn't a good moment. And so for Tottenham, this is one more problem. And I think in general, the medical staff problem, they had too many injuries this season. And this is something that they have to fix with the new coach for the next season because this is something absolutely crucial. And one of many points that created problems with Antonio Conte. 
Uh, and Fab, you've uh, mentioned a couple of times, uh, you know, the fact that Stellini obviously is staying on until the end of the season. Now, it's not something new. We've seen this happen when he's had to step in for Antonio Conte. Obviously, there's a lot riding on this situation. You know, if Spurs were to drop out of the top four, that could potentially have some huge consequences. Is there any chance at all that this is almost like an audition for the for the main job for Stellini? Or do you think that he will go back to being an assistant uh, at some point after the end of the season? It's just a question of what happens next for Antonio Conte? Honestly, I think it's difficult uh, for Stellini to continue at Tottenham. Uh, we never know in football. Maybe he wins all the game and then at the end he stays. But at the moment, Tottenham have been really clear with, uh, with Stellini. They told him that they are already looking for a new coach, that they will have conversations with other coaches. So I think Stellini himself doesn't expect to be Tottenham coach next season, but he will give his best for sure. To me, this was the most surprising part of the story. It was not surprising to see Tottenham and Antonio Conte parting ways, but it was surprising to see Antonio Conte's second coach, Christian Stellini, being the first coach of Tottenham now because he has been always with Antonio Conte since he started his managerial career and so the ideas will be basically the same so it was really surprising to fire Antonio Conte but to keep Christian Stellini as a coach so now let's see how he will perform he did very well honestly when Antonio Conte was not available was having his surgery in February he did very well he's really popular among the players because he's a very fair guy honest guy humble guy and so he's always been really appreciated so now it's a big opportunity for him but the feeling around Tottenham is that there will be another coach for the next season well, as we've already touched upon, there was another major managerial change this international break. You've got Thomas Tuchel coming in at Bayern Munich, replacing Julian Nagelsmann. There's been reports already after the first couple of days in the in the role fab that uh, Tuchel would like to bring Anthony Barry from Chelsea. Do we have any idea sort of what these first couple of days for Thomas Tuchel have been like in the, the hot seat at Allianz Arena? Has he been looking at the squad, identifying potential areas that he wants to strengthen perhaps in the summer? Uh, because, you know, reading some of the other reports as well this is a move that actually Bayern had in mind for the summer but have had to bring forward because history taught them that if you wait for a manager of Thomas Tuchel's uh, prestige then you know another club can come in and beat you to the punch that happened last time that Bayern were interested in him when PSG came in and swooped him away instead so is there uh, you know is Thomas Tuchel already working with one eye on next season do you think? Yeah, for sure. I think before mentioning concrete targets, it will take some time, of course, because now he's just arrived. So it's like three, four days. He will take some time to speak with Asan Salihamidzic, with Oliver Kahn. But for sure, he will be 100% involved in the club decisions. For example, Konrad Leimer, who had an agreement and the pre-contract signed with Bayern in January. Uh, so it was a signing on a free, you know, free transfer almost completed. It's already approved by Thomas Tuchel. So they already asked him about this possibility and Tuchel is absolutely uh, open to, to sign uh, Konrad Leimer who's going to be a new Bayern player in the summer they will decide together on the other positions for example on the striker uh, Julian Nagelsmann was happy with Chupomoting being the striker of Bayern this season and maybe investing on wingers as they did with Sadio Mane and in other positions so not signing a proper replacement for Robert Lewandowski but trusting Chupomoting and it was a smart a smart decision by uh, Julian Nagelsmann and, uh, and Bayern now we have to see with Thomas Tuchel what they will decide what's going to be the position on the striker what's going to be the position on some of the players on loan players like Joao Cancelo who is on loan with a buy option from Manchester City. Tuchel has to decide with the club on that one. But the same is going to happen for players who are out on loan. For example, Marcel Sabitzer, who is doing very well at Man United, he will be back to Bayern because there is no buy option. And it's going to be also up to Thomas Tuchel to decide with the player. From what I heard, the player wants to stay at Manchester United. So they have to decide on many things, even before deciding on the targets. They already have some situations to fix, but for sure Thomas Tuchel is going to be 100% involved. Fab, looking at just how we got here. Can you take us back? Because I, I was up 
in Austin, <laughs> sipping my tea or something else <laughs> in my tea. And then I spit my tea out because I saw kind of breaking news from your Twitter feed. How the <laughs> hell did we get here? Because I'm still waiting for someone to pinch me to say this is all a lie. I still can't believe it. Yeah, honestly, this is the same reaction I had when they told me the, the news. When I got the call, uh, it was Thursday night when they told me Nagasman will leave Bayer now and Tuchel will be the new coach. Honestly, it took one hour, almost one hour and a half to me to check the news and to be 100% sure of the story because, mm. honestly, I was expecting something completely different out of Bayer, maybe to change the coach in the summer, but not now. He's doing, he was doing very well in the Champions League, in the Bundesliga. They were still there fighting to win the title, so it was completely unexpected. So I was really, really surprised. But this is the reality because... First of all, there was not a great relationship between the board and Julian Nagelsmann. Of course, there was respect, but that was not the best relationship between members of the board and Julian Nagelsmann. And also, from what I heard, also with some players, they had some issue. It was also mentioned by Yasin Salihamidzic in the press conference uh, of Thomas Tuchel presented as new coach. But from what I heard, this is the reality. They had some problems. Some of the players, not all of the players, but some of the players with Julian Nagelsmann were not so happy, and he was not so happy with some of these players. And when you have too many issues at a club like Bayern it's international break and they had the feeling that they had the chance to go for Tuchel also I think it was crucial to mention that Tuchel was for real in the list at Tottenham and also at Real Madrid so they wanted to be very fast because as Jonathan mentioned before uh, they already had this kind of experience and they wanted to make sure that Thomas Tuchel was their coach for present and future another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There's a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back, everybody. And we've been dissecting some of the managerial changes during this international break with Fabrizio Romano. We've got about 10 minutes left with Fab. So we will continue to push on with that. Now, Fab, uh, one of the interesting uh, impacts of this managerial change with Thomas Tuchel coming in at Bayern is obviously the fact that Julian Nagelsmann has been pushed almost closer to the Tottenham Hotspur managerial situation. Is that something that you think is a possibility? Or do you think that Nagelsmann might look at... uh, you know, the situation, perhaps the situation that Thomas Tuchel was in as well and recognize that it's perhaps wise to take a couple of months and assess his options, uh, you know, before making a decision on where he goes next. Yeah, from what I heard, it will take some time. So he's not going to decide in a few days or a few weeks. This is the expectation at the moment. So for Julian Nagelsmann to take some time to see how the manager's domino will be in the summer. We mentioned the Ancelotti situation. We have to see what happens at PSG. We have to see how Graham Potter will continue at Chelsea. So there are the situations to be clarified also with Italian football, for example, not for Nagelsmann, but for him to understand what's going to happen with this manager's uh, domino and then to decide. For sure, Tottenham appreciate Nagelsmann. For sure, he's one of the names they are considering internally. They really appreciate him. 
But at the same time, it's important to say that Nagelsmann wants to wait a bit. Nagelsmann wants to be 100% sure of the next project. He's still really disappointed from what I heard. He was 100% sure of being in charge this week, of being Bayern manager to prepare the Man City game in the Champions League, the Borussia Dortmund game. He was 100% sure of the control of the situation. So this is why he's going to take some time. He wants to be very sure of the project he's going to take as next step. It's a crucial one in his career. It's true that he's very young, but he doesn't want to miss another one again. And so this is why for Julian Nagelsmann, this is a crucial moment and it's going to take some time before we see him at work again. I think in the summer it's going to be the right time. Fab, let's go to my neck of the woods. CONCACAF Nations League. No, is it the Euros? Absolutely not. It's one step better. I said that just to piss you off, Nigel. I see your reaction. (laughs) No, but going to the CONCACAF Nations League and thank you for all that you do and all the stuff in Europe, but I've been dying to know this about my USMNT players. Ricardo Pepe, man, this guy doing the work. He was out in the cold, didn't make the World Cup. Now he's back and back with a bang with the national team. Scored the winner against El Salvador. What does the future hold for this young player? Because he's still on the books at Augsburg, no? Yeah, he's still on the books at Augsburg, but he will leave Augsburg at the end of the season. I can tell you this. 100%. 100%. He doesn't want to stay there. And so they will look for a new solution for, for him. I think it could be a permanent transfer because now he's on loan at Groningen. He's doing very well. He's really appreciated by Eredivisie club, from what I heard. So PSV and Owen are one of the clubs really interested in Ricardo Pepe. And this could be a possibility for him. There are also two, three more clubs around Europe interested. But for sure, he will leave Augsburg. He will try a new experience out of the Bundesliga. And so keep an eye on him because I think it's going to be an interesting couple of months for, for Ricardo Pepe. They will prepare an early transfer because I think for the player it's really important to uh, sign for a new club before the, uh, the the beginning of the season. So not late in August, but it's going to be really important for him to have a pre-season to make sure he's 100% integrated in the new system, new coach, new club. And this is why Ricardo Pepe is going to be one of the UNSMT faces of the market in the summer. I think mm-hmm. together with Serginho Dest. Mm. And speaking of Serginho Dest, what, what's the word on him? I know he's at Milan. I know it's kind of been up and down season for him. He's getting minutes in games that like, we've all been surprised in, in games that he we expect him to play in. He hasn't gotten minutes. So what does this topsy-turvy run look like for him in terms of the summer window moving forward? Yes, from what I heard, um, AC Milan will not trigger the buy option clause for Serginho Dest, so he will be back uh, at Barcelona at the end of the season. Uh, it's difficult, I think, for Barca to keep Serginho Dest because they already have players in that position and probably they will try to bring you to bring their one more one more right back on the market. And so the expectation is for Barca and Serginho Dest to meet in June and to decide together for the next option. But I think he's not staying at Milan. They have too many right backs. Davide Calabria is the captain. They have Alessandro Florenzi back. So it's complicated to play at Milan. Also, because now they play with a 3-5-2 system and in that position they also have other players and so this is why it was a tough season for for Serginho Dest but I think he will be on the market again in the summer to try for a new new experience. Fabrizio, one player that I've been watching quite recently he's been doing sensationally well in uh, MLS is Thiago Almada. Sensational Argentinian talent. What's the latest on him? What clubs are monitoring him? Because obviously he's already said he's using MLS as a stepping stone. What do you know about clubs monitoring him? First of all, I really like him. I agree with you. He's a very talented boy. He's always been in the list of important clubs in Europe since he was at Vélez. For example, Inter and Villarreal were following him when he was at Vélez, but then it was a bit too expensive to sign that kind of player. And so for MLS, for sure, it's a pleasure to have a player like Thiago Almada. But as you mentioned, I think Europe is going to be the next destination. Let's see where, because I heard that Spanish clubs are 
keeping tabs on him, are informed on the conditions of the deal, but there is still nothing advanced. So we are very early stages. He shares the same agent with Rodrigo de Paul and Angel Correa. It means that the relationship with Atletico Madrid, for example, is excellent. But at the moment, Atletico Madrid are not looking for that kind of player. They're looking for different kind of players for Simeone. So let's see. But I think La Liga could be the destination. But honestly, at this stage, it's not something advanced. And uh, another player uh, from North America who's expected to be on the move, Jonathan David, uh, now Lille's record goal scorer, but he's also revealed himself to be a Barcelona fan recently. Now, I feel like we've been talking up this potential transfer for a long, long time, either to the Premier League or either to La Liga. Do you really feel like this summer is going to be the the moment where he finally moves on, Fab? Yeah, I think, yes. Uh, as you mentioned, he made history with Lille. And I have a feeling that also on the player side and on the club side, they are in the same position. They know that this summer is going to be almost impossible to continue together because there will be many clubs on the market for important strikers. We always mention many names. We include players like Victor Oziman, Harry Kane, uh, Sesko, Vlaovic. We will have many strikers uh, in the list of top clubs, but I'm sure that Jonathan David will be one of them. From what I heard, the price tag could be close to 50 million euros, 50, 55 million euros. But there are many possibilities. The player dreams of La Liga or Premier League. So, Let's see what's next, but for sure there will be a lot of interest and I'm sure that Jonathan David will be one of the players in the striker's domino and I think he deserves because he's really talented, really young, but it's ready. It's really good time now also for him to make this next club move. Well, just finally on uh, the topic of strikers before we move on to uh, one or two quick questions and answers. Following Balogun, I know that we've been talking about him a lot. He's been creating a lot of buzz this international window. Do you have any more insight as to what might be going on with him? Because we know that he was mm. called up to England's under-21 team. Then he pitches up in the States. Uh, you know, there's been this kind of tug of war, uh, you know, for, you know, his uh, allegiance at international senior, senior international level. Uh, are we any closer to, to sort of solving where uh, Balogun is going to play uh, his international football at some point in the future, Fab? Uh, good question, because honestly, sources close to the player don't want to comment on that. They want to keep things uh, as secret <laughs> as possible. They want him to make his decision in the right time and in the best way, because it's a really important decision for him. Then he's scoring a lot of goals in Ligan. He's still a national player. So it's a really important moment for him. And this is why I think they want to keep it secret. They want the boy to be relaxed on his point on this decision. And so I think it's going to be... A, not a fast decision. It will take some some time before we see Balogun deciding. Also for his future, not just with the national team, but it's the same with Arsenal because he will be back at Arsenal at the end of the season. There are already three, four clubs uh, interested in signing Balogun in the summer, but Arsenal will decide at the end of the season. Now they are only focusing on the Premier League and I think it's absolutely fair. So it will take some time, but I think in the summer is going to be a crucial moment to understand more on Balogun on both transfer and national team decision. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait for that moment. And Fab, when he signs, because, you know, Florian and I are, are best mates. When he signs, I can't so, wait to such, see Such you. best mates that you don't even know his name. <laughs> when he signs, I can't wait to see you in USMNT jersey. Sorry, NRC. <laughs> you can go. Uh, Fabrizio, one of my clubs that I like right now. Are Napoli making any plans for the summer in case players leave? One of the most exciting clubs for me in European football right now. 
Yes, but let me say that Napoli, of course they are, because it's normal for important clubs, but Napoli don't want to comment on transfers. They don't care. Ozyman, Kvaraskelia, new signings, Kim, they want to live the dream. They want to enjoy the title because they will win the Serie A. They want to do something important in the Champions League because they have a feeling they can make it to the final. And so Napoli in this moment, they comment, we are not working on anything advanced. We have some ideas, we have some plan, but now April and May are two crucial months. They don't want to be distracted. They know that there will be many bids for their stars. They are are also preparing something because from what I heard they have some interest in a new centre-backs for example they can do something also in attacking position so they are already exploring some options but nothing is advanced because they don't want to distract the team they don't want to uh, change the mood they want to focus on the Serie A to win the Serie A title to enjoy with the fans and then to focus on the Champions League all right, Fabrizio Romano, fantastic as always. Thank you so much for your Thank time. You That's all we've got for today. Fab is going to be popping off in a minute. But if you're an American soccer fan and you enjoyed that segment on some of the North American talents, make sure to check out our podcast in the CBS Sports Podcast family in soccer. We trust with former USMNT stars such as Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, and Charlie Davis, offering perspective that only they can offer. Download, subscribe to the In Soccer We Trust podcast anywhere that you find this one. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. All right, everybody, welcome back. Don't miss a second of action from the greatest club competitions on earth, the Champions League and Europa League and the Europa Conference League. Follow the biggest stars from the world of soccer, like Karim Benzema, Victor Ozyman, Erling Haaland, Marcus Rashford and Helti Maria as they try to clinch continental glory. Stream every match from the Champions League, Europa League and Europa Conference League on Paramount+. Plus. Try one month free with a promo code ADVANCE. Guys, let's get back into it. Staying with the international break and England. Harry Kane, England's all-time leading scorer. How are we comparing him to Wayne Rooney, Nigel Riococo? Well, I had this conversation already and for me, Honestly, you'd have to say... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we're boring you, Nigel. <laughs> yeah, you are. I've had this conversation already. What, what can I say? Sorry. You know. Anyway, was, yeah. <laughs> I would have to say... There's, there's obviously a conversation. Is he the greatest ever? And for me, I'd have to say yes. I think that you have to look at what he's achieved and breaking that record and everything. And I know people always have different arguments. And this is the beauty of football. I don't think anyone is ever one person is ever right you know because as we say there's more than one way to win a football match but for me when you look at what he can do he is your traditional number nine he can bring your team higher up by hold up play he can link up play he can also create opportunities for other players you, you've got to give him credit for his assist that he does as well in his style mm -hmm. of play danger in the box uh predator in the box 
but can also score from outside the box. So you look at the calibre of the goals and how he scores. I know people are going to say, oh, well, he scored a lot of penalties, but still, you have to score the penalties. Let's not make it seem like it's a given, it's 100% ratio of scoring penalties. So I think you have to give him the credit for what he's achieved, what he's done. Loves to score goals. I mean, I don't know him personally, but I've not heard any bad words about him. Team player, wants to do well, wants to win. And for me, I would have to say, you have to say he is the greatest of all time. And there's been arguments of past England greats of their goal scoring record and how quickly they achieved it. But remember, back in those days, you can pass the ball back to the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper could pick it up. <laughs> you know, there's different, there's different generations there. So, yeah, I think full credit to Harry Kane. He, he's, he is a sensational goal scorer. Yeah, I, I, this is one of the few times all week that I'll probably agree with you, Nige, on this topic, mostly because I want him at Manchester United. Yes, you are right, JJ. I do want that. Please, Fab. Here we go in the summer. But I look at how what he's done, both in qualification rounds and in major tournaments, there's a consistency in the goal scoring factor where this guy shows up when England needs him most. I think for Wayne Rooney, there is a lot of goals, a lot of things that happen in friendlies, in qualification rounds, but it just didn't stick outside of his first Euros in 20, I think 2004, almost 2024, 2004. But after that, the major tournaments, it didn't work for him, for Rooney. And I think that's the difference between a Harry Kane and a Wayne Rooney. The consistency, it translates from club to qualification to major tournaments. If he keeps this up, he will be in the conversation for one of the all-time greats in the international game that we've seen in a long time. Well, I'd elaborate okay. on that and just say that it didn't... Quickly on that, right? Because obviously, mm. you see some of the comments that's coming in, and people saying it's disrespectful to Rooney and all that. People don't mm. realize Harry Kane is a dominant force in the box and also a threat aerially. If you want to take it back in generations, could you imagine what Harry Kane would do with David Beckham servicing <laughs> him the crosses or Paul Scholes servicing him those three balls and crosses? And that's you've got Gerard and yeah. Lampard, how much of a threat you have not just outside the box and making runs, but in the box, what he can do aerially in the runs that he makes, he would be sensational. You have to give credit and look at the overall package of the player. And that's no disrespect to Wayne Rooney. I'm a massive Wayne Rooney fan. But Wayne Rooney and Harry Kane, for me, are two very different players. And what Harry Kane has as a traditional number nine is a bigger all-round package than Rain Rooney. Rain Rooney really liked to drop a bit more deeper, get involved in play and link up. Harry Kane can do that. But he's also mm -hmm. more of a bigger threat going forward and being a lot more direct. And if you put some of those players that Wayne Rooney played with and Harry Kane was in that generation, he would have scored a lot of goals with the service. Yeah, I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you said that because I was going to elaborate on uh, Mike's point and say that England weren't quite what they are now uh, back in the mm -hmm. days where Rooney was yeah. playing. But I, I like that idea. I mean, I think Rooney and Kane, uh, you know, could have been oh. quite complementary as a, a strike yeah, yes. pairing, especially when you have you know, Rooney as potentially that link between the midfield, which, you know, never quite worked for England back in the day that Rooney, uh, you know, was was at his peak internationally. And also, I think, you know, Rooney as a as a player, he could do certain things technically, uh, you know, a bit oh, yeah. better than uh, a bit better than Kane. But equally, at the same time, Kane, if you're looking for, you know, an absolutely guaranteed goal presence, and I'm not saying that Rooney was short on goal scoring ability, no. but you would probably pick Kane ahead of Rooney, uh, you know, to be that prolific source of goals. And, you know, had you had the two playing together, I think that might have solved some of the issues that plagued England uh, around about the time that Rooney was, uh, you know, one of the mainstays of the team. Nigel, I see you itching. No, I was just, 
<laughs> I was just going to say, JJ, you're right. No, I think that combination, you're right. I think Rooney and Kane would have been absolutely lethal together when you look at the styles of play. Kane could have just been a lot more advanced, be more direct, getting goals. Rooney will be the link-up player. Rooney has the ability to find Kane as well with the other pieces. And I think when you talk about that, JJ, the other best combination England have had for a very long time, people don't want to admit, is Emil Heskey and Michael Owen. That was one of their best combinations up front yeah. that was very successful for England. And I think when you talk about Rooney and Harry Kane, that could have been another very successful combination. But you've got to give credit when credit's doing. And you know when people start talking about if he was world-class, he'd have been... Start no, he mm. came through Tottenham. He's a Tottenham fan. Yes, Tottenham don't win trophies. We all know that. But he's been loyal to the club. He's broken the club record of goals, the highest goal scorer in Tottenham's history as the club. He's broken the record as the highest goal scorer in England now. Now could be the time he moves on and I don't think there's any Tottenham fan can begrudge him if he wants to take his career in a different direction. But as a goal scorer, you've got to give him credit. Like, you've got to go back and look at the highlights of the goals and the kind of goals that Harry Kane has scored. Yeah. Uh, speaking I, of giving goal, goal scorers credit, Mike Lohan. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you had to tee it up for this. Go on, JJ. Do we owe Cristiano Ronaldo an apology here? I mean, he's broken the appearance record and he scored against Liechtenstein, then scored again against Luxembourg. That's 122 goals in 198 games. Mm. You know, are we, were we being disrespectful? Were we being, uh, you know, perhaps uh, we were writing him off too soon? Uh, you know, I know it feels a bit, uh, you know, ridiculous to be talking about goals banged in against the likes of Liechtenstein and Luxembourg, but equally at the same time, uh, you know, is there potential for, you know, Ronaldo to, uh, you know, maybe I'm not going to say have a second win, but, you know, contribute, uh, you know, significantly, at least to sort of the the, the qualification and the Euros part of this uh, Roberto Martinez adventure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every time they play Liechtenstein and Luxembourg, those are the games you put him in. He, he, look, he'll be the TikTok. He'll be the Hollywood face of Portugal. But when it comes down to the games that matter, I still don't see it. One's a penalty kick. One's an amazing free kick goal. I will give credit where credit's due on that. The technique, we've seen him do it on the biggest stage. It was a flashback to 2018, the free kick he hit against Spain. I think this one was probably one better. But when it comes to the games that count, I still don't see it. I still see him as a player who will hinder the growth, the impact of some of the younger players. I still think this is Gonzalo Ramos's team in terms of being the lead man up from for Portugal. And we've talked ad nauseum about Rafael Leal. These two players, these are the two guys who will benefit from less minutes from Cristiano Ronaldo. But hey, small golf clap for the free kick and nothing else. Still got a bone to pick with CR7. <laughs> Um, I have nothing more to add to that. No, I, listen, Ronaldo's a legend. He's a legend in the game. He's, an, he's, I don't know, you could call him whatever you want to call him. Mm. But I think for me, I understand and I agree with Mike. I think that he could still play a part, JJ, but you have to be smart in decisions as a manager, how you use him. You use him sparingly. And if certain games he, he is involved in, you might have to use him in a different kind of dynamic. That's the reality of it. He's not going to run in behind defenders anymore. He's not going to beat people one-on-one -on -one that much now at that high level, that high international level. I think what you need to do with him is be smart about it. But again, like Michael said, you're taking away minutes from the next generation. And I think that's the danger behind it. Rafael Leal needs to be playing right now. Ramos needs to be playing right now. He's on fire. It's time for the next generation to come in. And it's just a decision that um, the manager is going to have to make.
Well, on the topic of this uh, sort of Harry Kane, Cristiano Ronaldo loving, Mike Lahoud, are we reaching a point with Harry Kane where it's kind of similar to when he was at Manchester United and you had, you know, the likes of Real Madrid coming in for him? You know, is this now the time that, that Harry Kane for, you know, for, for the best of his career, you know, perhaps considers a move maybe outside of the Premier League? I mean, I know that you would love for Manchester United to swoop him and pick him up. But, you know, realistically, if Thomas Tuchel goes to a Bayern, for example, and identifies that as the one position that he really wants to strengthen, you know, to sort of get that long-term replacement for, for Robert Lewandowski at the, the the top of that Bayern attack, you know, is that a move that you could see, you know, Harry Kane, uh, you know, considering and, you know, potentially winning the silverware that he's missing out on at the moment with Spurs? Well, we'll find out a lot about the ambition of Harry Kane, if he's comfortable being the main man at Spurs, if he's comfortable not winning trophies, and if he's comfortable being just the face of the club, or if he really wants to say, hey, you know what? I've done my due diligence to Tottenham Hotspurs Football Club. I've given everything I've can, I've, I've can, and now I need to move on for myself, for my legacy, and for really what I want, which is trophies. I think the likes of a Bayern, the likes of United, obviously big bias with United, but I do think that if there was ever a time, the time is now. The only way I see Harry Kane staying is if they get the right manager, if they get a Nagelsmann. They will have to get a, player, a manager like that to keep a player like him, but I still don't see it. I think that this could be the summer we see a move. Michael, who is the right manager for Tottenham? Have you not seen the group chat of all sacked Tottenham managers <laughs> and what they've achieved and done in their footballing career that they're going to a group chat after they get sacked? Have you not seen that? It's very hilarious. Our producer, Des, did that. But there is no such thing as the right manager for Tottenham. That's just the reality of it. Harry Kane needs to move on. And let's be real about this. What will play a part in his Manchester United move is this takeover situation. Whoever takes over mm -hmm. Manchester United the football club itself, that will play a big part whether Harry Kane ends up at Manchester United because you know the Glaziers do not want to spend any more money on that. But if it's, whether it's uh, the two new owners, the, the Ratcliffe yeah, Jim, and, Jim Ratcliffe, yeah. Yeah, and the Middle Eastern bid, that will play a big difference because Harry Kane is a top-class player. And you know what people say, and you've seen some of these comments in the chat about Harry Kane being overrated, this and that. These same people, whoever they support, mm -hmm. would take Pep Guardiola in a heartbeat as a manager. Pep Guardiola wanted Harry Kane and it was Tottenham that stopped that deal from happening because they didn't want to sell him. Pep Guardiola is not a bad identifier of talented players. Didn't get Harry Kane. They got Haaland. And yet, obviously, mm -hmm. everything is still okay at Manchester City. But who's saying Harry Kane with the players that he has and Pep's system wouldn't have been as successful in Pep's system? So let's give some respect to what's going on with Harry Kane that he could have been at Manchester City if Tottenham didn't sabotage that deal. Am I wrong in that, JJ? I don't just think you're, yes. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't think you're wrong in that. It just brings back bad memories of Jack Grealish eventually uh, you know getting his move to Manchester City. But no, it's actually funny listening to you guys chatting about uh, you know Spurs and asking who could potentially be the right manager mm. for them. It makes me think a lot of the PSG situation. I don't know which is the more poison chalice. Let's uh, uh let's, let's put it to you guys and put it to the listeners. What what what's a what's a trickier posting as a manager? Spurs mm. or PSG? Mike Lahoud. Ooh. <clears throat> you don't even have to go, ooh. That's not such an easy question yeah. to answer. I, I mean, I'm going to have to go PSG. What? 
Yeah, <laughs> Tottenham. What top, are you the only, on? <laughs> the only people Michael, that are expecting Michael, Tottenham Hotspurs Michael, to win stop, 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 are Tottenham stop, stop, Hotspurs fans. Stop talking, Michael. PSG. PSG <laughs> have won the league countless times. There's only one yes. trophy you have to concentrate on for Paris Saint-Germain. And, ex- and exactly. And exactly. Tottenham okay, have won you, nothing. Tottenham have won nothing. What is harder? <laughs> Tottenham is harder. They've won nothing. The PSG expectation. The expectation is harder. If you win the league, if you win the double, if you if you win everything in the domestic league, you're still seen as a failure in that league unless you or for you that club unless you win the Champions thing League. You are concentrating on, and it's you one of the one hardest thing things to win in the world. On everything. Yes, but, but realistically, but what is the realistic expectation? Do we do we go in season season in and season out saying, you know what, if Spurs don't win the Prem this year, that's a failure? Really, Nige? Absolutely we not. Season, we go in season. We expect season them to out. make top four. Oh, that is the God. only Michael, expectation Michael, to win a trophy. Those are the only realistic season things. After season, expecting Tottenham to win something, whether it's the FA Cup, the Cabrera Cup, or just win something. That's what Tottenham fans something want. Something versus the all important prize. Oh my God! Tottenham is the hardest seat, JJ. Tottenham is the PSG. hardest. PSG, don't listen yeah. to this guy. I mean, would Tottenham win something if we brought back the Intertoto Cup or something like that? You know, those kind of like participation trophies. Tottenham ain't going to win nothing. And I think Antonio Conte (laughs) pointed it out. It's not about the managers. It's about the mentality at the club. And then at one point, you have to look at the the, the direction and the leadership of the club. That's the reality. You have to look at that. I'm sorry, because other clubs have shown what can be done with right leadership and qualities and the right direction and people in place. Look at what Newcastle achieved in such a short space of time. And when you look at Newcastle, you still feel they're only a few pieces away from really competing consistently at top four level and really winning something. Tottenham have been like that for how many years and won absolutely nothing. Paris Saint-Germain is, if they stop going for the superstar treatment and actually look to build something, they probably could be competitive in Champions League if they stop selling their best young players and then go back to rebuying them. Rocket science, (laughs) right? Well, that 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 debate was more explosive than I expected, <laughs> but uh, we had some great comments as well, jumping in from the likes of uh, Rafa Cardenas and, uh, and Mohit. So thanks a lot, guys, for for following along and offering your opinions on some of our debate. That's pretty much it for us today. We'll get some final thoughts quickly from the guys. Uh, before signing off. But we will be back again on Wednesday for a bit of a catch-up on Europe's top five leagues, the title races, the Champions League places, Mm -hmm. and relegation battles. So don't forget to set your alarms to join us at 9 a.m. ET on YouTube. Final thoughts, Mike LaHood? Apart from from that Nigel's an idiot. Yeah, yeah. I I was, thank you. I was going to touch on that and elaborate on that in in just really profound depth. But no, final thoughts for me are just want to give a shout out to some of the African teams that did well in the most recent round of AFCON qualification. One, oh, AFCON, Sierra Leone. Um, winning against Saotomi 2-0. I know it's not going to make the Hollywood headlines, but that's a personal one for me. Uh, next no, matchup, but it will, it, sadly, sadly, it will make the <laughs> what, WhatsApp chat like how many times over? <laughs> you that good shout-out when we talk about Sierra Leone's dub. No, big, big you know, shout-out to them. Uh, next up, you get to play Nigeria, Victor Osiman. So maybe we'll uh, not want to cover that matchup. And also Morocco. 2-1 win in a friendly. I know it's a friendly, but against Brazil, really escalating the standard of African football and where it is on the global stage. Keep an eye on that in the next four years. I like that, Mike. Morocco, for me, are the standard bearers of African 
football in the sense of Africa, the continent. Um, and I think that a lot of other nations could learn from them because the talent is there. And if they stop the stupidity and the political stealing of money and whatever else they do that we all know happens, um, then Africa could be a lot more competitive in World Cups. Um, and then let's all give a shout out to all the little small islands there and the likes of Barbados, Turks and Caicos mm. and all of them are now really starting to develop a lot of talent. But again, Tottenham is the more difficult job than Paris Saint-Germain. I rest my case. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to House of Champions. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We're also available as videos. So subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Until next time, it's goodbye. Shout out to Des, our producer, Island Lost to France. <laughs> 